0: This is the Howell Creek Radio Address for Sunday, November 2nd, 2008. I'm Joel Duick, Coming to you tonight with the Halloween Guy Fox Day edition. If you'll hear me out, I'm going to paint a pretty dark picture for you. Quite dark. Hopefully, I'll be able to pull up at the end a little before we hit outright oblivion. If I could dwell where Israfel doth sit, and he where I, he might not sing so wildly well a mortal melody, while a bolder note than his might swell from my lyre within the sky. Some accidentally marked as spam email is better left unread forever. It's like Pandora's box. If you open it, you'll never be able to close it again. And it's always there. I found one in my email trash bin on Thursday, been put there automatically by my overzealous computer who would flagged it as junk mail, presumably on the basis of its salacious subject line. When you're in love with a beautiful woman, it's hard. So I opened it up because I recognized the name of the sender. And that's where Pandora's Box comes in. You see, a year ago I would loved and pursued a girl in my own naive, stupid way. And she'd strung me along for a few months and then dumped me by proxy without ever telling me why or what. Well, this person who sent the email, she'd known the girl during the whole episode, although I'd never met her. What she'd sent was an article she'd written a year ago. About me. About what happened. Here's um part of the article. She is one of those women who exudes beauty. She isn't just cute, she isn't just sweet and funny, articulate and adorably naive. She's beautiful. She not only attracted guys, but based on the fact that she did, she had gradually come to accept and then expect all of the attention. It used to make me so frustrated some days when she would talk like every guy on campus was crazy about her. But they were. She didn't think it was uncommon and it didn't make her the least bit uncomfortable. She had learned to predict men to the point where she knew that when they were around her, they wanted her. He couldn't watch her eyes, watch his friends, and watch for lies. He lived a thousand miles away. He had to trust that she was as faithful as she seemed to be in her letters. I wish he could have heard her questions to me at night as we were getting ready for bed. I wish he could have heard about the other guys. This person wrote at the end of her article, I wonder what Joel would say to this new man. I wonder if he would warn him. And I wonder if she ever realizes that the reverse is also hard. When you're a beautiful woman, it's hard to love. It's hard to know that no matter where you turn, some man, some greater man, some more attractive man than the one you currently have is swooning over you. It's hard to be content. That was what really threw me down on the ground again. It wasn't just that I was such an idiot for wasting so much attention and affection on this creature. It was this new thought that if I ever tried again on anyone else, I'd only be a sincere, naive sucker all over again. It may be, maybe beauty and faithlessness go hand in hand. Maybe it can't be helped. Maybe people just come to expect the attention people give them and to take absolutely none of it sincerely. Before you know it, dark visions are swirling in front of your eyes about people you know, in the future. Maybe the intent of the writer was not to imply such horrible things about human nature. I don't know. At work Friday we went out to Jimmy's for lunch, it being the day of our quarterly meeting where I put all the numbers in front of the partners and they spar with one another over them. And with these things in my head I watched the waitstaff, specifically our waiter, a middle aged guy, slightly balding. Within a couple of minutes I'd sized him up as a reptile. He simply could not take his eyes off the other two waitresses, who were fairly attractive when they left the room, he'd always find a reason to leave also. Take a single cup back for washing, for example. If they were in the room, his eyes did not leave them. It was creepy behavior of the first degree. He was extremely sparing and short in his speech with us, the customers. But he would strike up some kind of lively banter with the attractive waitresses, and they smiled and lit up like they appreciated his attention. Their utter cluelessness boggled me. Maybe they know something about this guy that I don't, like that he's secretly rich or something. Here it is again, I thought. They will string along even a reptile like this because they've come to expect attention like that from everyone. Maybe that's just the way it is. Nobody's sincere. Nobody means anything. They're just humoring you, putting up with you. These and other like thoughts filled my head for a horrible 48 hours. How apt that it should have climaxed right around Halloween, Guy Fawkes Day. Blood and chainsaws and spirits never held any fascination for me. But if you ask yourself, what do you fear the most? For me, it might be just the idea that those for whom I have the greatest hopes are false. Shallow and stone-hearted, behind gaudy masks of joy. Not so much out to do harm as simply incapable of true friendship. It is like a haunted house, but the ghouls are real, the specters of people you care about. You just have to keep reminding yourself that it's not real, and keep going, like a haunted house. Remind yourself that you've seen good in people as well as bad. Remind yourself of the worst possible tragedy that by believing these blasphemies, you could very well cause them to become real where they weren't before. I mentioned I'm studying the life of Moses. Interestingly, right on Wednesday morning the Israelites arrived at the waters of Merah. It says, And they went three days in the wilderness, and found no water. And when they came to Merah, they could not drink of the waters of Merah, for they were bitter. Therefore the name of it was called Marah, And the people murmured against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? And he cried unto the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree, which when he had cast into the waters, the waters were made sweet. And almost immediately after this, they came to Elam, where were twelve wells of water, and seventy palm trees, and they encamped there by the waters. It says the Lord showed him this tree. Maybe Moses knew instinctively what to do with it. Or maybe he had to think a while before he thought to throw it in the bitter waters. Either way, something they lacked and were starved for, they found a source of. But oh, the anguish, and the thing that should have quenched their thirst proved to be too bitter to swallow. God provided something that made it not only palatable, but sweet. I'm looking for that tree. I need that water. Yeah.